Hey everybody, welcome back to our New Life Men's Podcast. My name is Gabe Jenkins and we're continuing our series called Man Pressure where we're taking a closer look at stress and pressure and we're talking about how it affects us and how we can grow in our ability to handle it well. And today I'm going to play a conversation for you with Tony Runyon. Tony's a good friend, he's a new lifer, and uh, he played professional baseball for many years. And so we're going to talk about how he learned to handle the, the pressure of playing professional baseball and how he learned to overcome the fear of failure and how he, uh, how he made sure his identity didn't get so wrapped up in his, uh, in his work. And so there's going to be a lot that I think you're going to find to be helpful in this conversation. But before I play this conversation for you, I want to first invite you uh, to the Kingdom Man series, which is going to start this August. This will be at New Life Church in the World Prayer Center. I really hope you can join us. It's going to be very powerful. Hundreds of men will gather, will worship, will open up the scriptures together. We'll uh, talk about what does it look like to be a man who seeks first the kingdom of God. What does it look like to live well in the kingdom, to live uh, powerful lives under the authority of Jesus. And so I believe this is going to be well worth your time. It's going to be a great opportunity to meet some other guys. And so there's more information on our website at newlifechurch.org slash men, but it's starting August 14th. And I sure hope you can join us for that. So without further ado, here's today's conversation with Tony Runyon. So how many years did you play professional baseball? So I played over uh, 14 years, and I was with uh, four different organizations. Started with the Cleveland Indians, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, uh, San Diego Padres, and then Seattle Mariners. I played uh, a few winter leagues in the uh, Venezuelan professional league, as well as Dominican Republic. I played in Taiwan with their uh, major league system, and then one... uh, one experience with the Team USA in the World Cup qualifying. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. So and pitcher, right? Yeah, right-handed pitcher. Uh, started as a relief pitcher, and or started as a starting pitcher and ended up as a relief pitcher. So um, as I progressed, my velocity actually went up and uh, decided that I was a better fit in the bullpen. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of the process of going through the minor leagues, kind of figure those things out. Yeah. Well, before we get in here and talk about pressure in baseball and right. how you learn to navigate that. You got to, you got to share the story, the infamous Tony Runyon story yeah. of, of yeah. hitting Tony Gwynn in batting practice. Yeah. So he kind of gave it away right there. He <laughs> took a little bit. So, so yeah, my, towards the end of my career, I was with, uh, with the Padres, uh, it was Tony Gwynn's actual, his final, final season spring training. And, he had some hamstring problems and hadn't been able to get into some games, so they uh, they wanted somebody to throw batting practice to him. You know, I was in AAA at the time, and, and you know, they asked me if I wanted wanted to throw batting practice to Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn or future Hall of Famer, and you know, obviously the answer was yes. And so typically those you know those sessions go for about ten minutes, and um, so the way it was set up, um, it was on a minor league field, but and yet there was probably you know hundred reporters there because they're watching Tony Gwynn. Um, no pre- Are you sure no, they weren't watching no, no pressure at all. Um, uh, and then, of course, there's a, a pitching coach that's out on the mound with me because if, you know, if I, they have a bucket of balls, he's basically sitting there on the bucket of balls. And so we're kind of having a conversation. And, 
you know, to start the day off, he's he's kind of like, uh, hey, this is future Hall of Famer, Tony Gwynn. Have fun with this, but whatever you do, don't hit him. <laughs> Which is, you know, kind of the one thing you never tell an athlete is <laughs> you never reinforce what not to do. Yeah. Um, so we kind of had a laugh at it. Yeah, wouldn't that be funny? Uh, anyway, so about 10, 10 minutes into it, I, I was throwing really well. We got in a good rhythm. Tony was enjoying it and and uh, getting a lot out of it. And he's just, you know, it was just incredible for me to have a you know front row seat to watch this guy yeah. just go to work. Everything I threw up there, you know, he was finding a way to get the bat on it and just going to left field, going to right field, just, you know, just putting on a clinic. And so I thought I had him set up pretty good to uh, – to throw a fastball inside and maybe it's <laughs> like, you know what, maybe I'm going to break Tony Gwynn's back. That would be, you know, pretty cool. And, um, you know, ended up throwing the fastball, hit him right in the backside. Oh. And it was, it was, you know, at the time I was throwing probably 93, 94. And, um, man, the camera started clicking all over. I mean, he's limping down the third baseline <laughs> and just, it, it was just, I was just, I could feel my heart skip a beat because I was like, I've just, I've just put him out for half the season and this is how I'm going to be remembered. The pitching coach sitting on the bucket next to me was, was basically like, man, I do not even know you right now. <laughs> so yeah, he said, I don't know if your bags are packed yet, but if you're still around, come see me later. <laughs> so I ended up sticking with the Padres for about another week or two. And uh, they say I wasn't, they didn't let me go because of that incident, but there's, there's a chance. There's a chance. But now Tony was so gracious. He, uh, he, he signed a couple bats and, and baseballs for me afterwards. And and uh, so he, he went on and, and had a good season. So You threw him some inside heat in batting yeah, practice. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't quite go the way I expected. Um, yeah. The, it was funny because the, the very next pitch, you know, I threw a fastball and it was probably about 75 miles an hour. Uh, because I just didn't want to hit him. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you know, what, what, you know, was that a changeup? What'd you throw there? I said it was a fastball, and he knew. He's just laughing. He's like, let it go, man. It's done. It's over. It happens. Well, that's a lot of pressure when the coach says, "Hey, whatever you do, don't hit the guy." Yeah, yeah. It's the one thing when you when you go to an athlete, you don't reinforce the negative. Don't give up a home run. Don't don't walk a guy. Don't you know? Don't make an error. Don't, and that gets stuck in your brain. Yeah, yeah. Don't miss this free throw. You know, whatever it is. So. Um, yeah, I, I didn't do a very good job probably, probably of, uh, of processing that. <laughs> well, let's talk more about the, the idea of, of pressure yeah. and how you learn to handle pressure because with baseball, especially as a professional baseball player, there is a, a ton of pressure. So how did you, how did you experience pressure when you're playing? Yeah. So I, uh, I started playing baseball, you know, first grade kindergarten. So it's in some ways it's, um, you're built up to it. Um, there's people watching and as you continue to progress to higher levels, I went to Duke university. So I, I you know, played in the ACC, uh, conference and, um, but you know, nothing, I don't know, necessarily prepares you for, uh, once you get to that professional level, it's, it's different. People are, are paying to come see you play. Um, and there's just this expectation that you put on yourself that I'm a professional now. This is my job. This is how. You know, I, I provide for myself, my family, and there's people there. Uh, some are for you, some are against you. Uh, you know, typically in a, in a minor league game, you'll get anywhere from, you know, two or 3,000 people to 10,000. Um, so I'd say there's, there's times you handle it well, 
I handled it well. There's times that I didn't. And, you know, one of the biggest things for me, um, I was brought up in a Christian home and I, I had a, a foundation in Christ. Um, but, you know, in sports, you're, you're sometimes not really sure how to how to handle failure mm-hmm. um, or how to um, how to communicate it, what's your emotions you should show, you know, even though you're crying on the inside, should you do it on the outside? Um, I've been on teams where, you know, if you lost the game, you better not even say a word on the bus, on the bus ride home, because, um, that's just not what you do when you lose. And, you know, it's, I was fortunate to be around some, some really experienced, um, players that were, you know, at the different levels of baseball and and these guys happened to be in the major leagues and they were believers as well and i remember seeing them after a game and this guy just you know he gave up i don't know if he made it through the third inning um and just just seeing that there was just a lightness that was about him he wasn't you know making jokes and and being you know inappropriate or any anything like that it was just like he had walked out of the clubhouse and it was it was over and I, i knew um, and I knew because of his identity in Christ that, that that's what, that's what he had. And he was, he was turned, he turned the page quickly. Hmm. And, and for me, it became, you know, it became a process to, to understand how, how, how that happens. Yeah. Cause you're not happy. Um, uh, you know, you have a bad day at the office now, uh, or, you know, I had a bad game or whatever it was. Um, how, how do I, how, how do I act? You know, what's appropriate that I'm, you know, the coach isn't going to yell at me for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, but how am I also going to live out the fact that I know that my identity is in Christ, um, that I'm more than, you know, what just happened on the field. I'm more than, you know, whatever the numbers were for that day. Uh, and that, so that was, you know, for me, that was, that was a learning process. Yeah. yeah. So was that a roller coaster for you at first? Or? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. And, and like I said, it was fortunate for me that I was, I was able to be around others and, and, and see how that happens. And, you know, one of the guys that I was telling you about earlier, um, he had been in, in the big leagues for several years. So he was someone that everybody looked up to. And I know that the, the Christians and non-Christians on the team were like, just amazed at how this guy could, could turn, turn the page so quickly. Um, you know, I was telling you before too, as a, as a pitcher, you know, you read a lot of body language in a, in a hitter and you can tell when you, when somebody's beat, Mm -hmm. Um, this guy was just, you know, he was a solid, uh, you couldn't tell if he was 0 for five or five for five on the day. And I say that because in contrast, there were guys that if they had a bad game, you better not talk to them for, yeah. for a week because they were ready to bite your head off and anybody else around. So, so yeah, just, just being around those guys and trying to have, you know, community with them and, and, and maturing in, in Christ that, you know, this is who, who I am is in, is in Christ, not in what my performance is for the, the day, what not my, where I am on the season. So yeah, very important just to have that, that community with those, those type of guys that had been there and gone through it and, and to learn from them. Well, baseball is so unique because that you get immediate feedback. Yeah. Everything is, is tracked in terms of stats and so I just imagine that would be so difficult to not take that home with you. And so how did you eventually learn to kind of keep it at the ballpark and not take it home with you and to, to grow in your understanding? I am more than my stats. So, you know, as I, 
I went through some some really good times at the beginning, and then honestly went through two years that were just I was playing in, you know, the places you don't want to play. Um, and you know, one big thing that I had happen to me in that time, um, because as a as an athlete, you're you're a part of a team, but you're so focused on yourself um, because you do have a in order to keep your job and stay on the team, you got to perform, you got to prepare. Um, there's off season training. There's a lot of things that you have to do for personal development and then you become very self-centered, self-focused. It's really hard. You'll, you, and you see it in younger teams as opposed to what you'll see on some older teams, but it's really hard. You can always tell if you go in a locker room where a team won, you know who had a good day and who didn't. Mm -hmm. So even though it is a team sport, um, it, it can be very, very selfish because you're, you're trying to get that personal development. Um, so I was in, uh, I was in, uh, a, a league. I had to go to a league cause Cleveland had uh, parted ways with me. And, uh, so I went into another league to play and it was uh, called an independent league. It's not affiliated with any uh, organization. So it's not a lot of glamour. Not a lot of, uh, there's some good fans, uh, some good cities. I was in, uh, actually in, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and it was great, but it was, I remember it was a day in, in late July, it's just kind of that part of the season where the days get really long, and uh, I was the, I always say I was the worst pitcher on the worst team in the league, <laughs> and this was probably my, about my fourth or fifth year playing professional baseball, and, and it was just that, that time where I was really focused on me, and it was like, why am I here, you know, what's going on, what am I doing? And it was, uh, I was laughed because it was, like I said, I was the worst pitcher on the worst team in the league. We had these throwback uniforms on that they pulled out of storage that were about three sizes too tight <laughs> on everyone, all black. And it was about 105 degrees. So just a miserable day and a good day for a woe is me kind of, kind of day, day game. And it was just very clear and it wasn't. You know, I didn't hear the voice of God, but very clear when he just dropped into my heart. And he just, you know, he said, look to the left and look to the right. That's why you're here. Hmm. Because of those guys next to you. So for me, it was really, um, it was a, a big turning point for me. Because, uh, you know, up to that point, it had been all about me. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I even go back to that now. Um, and I went back to it, you know, for the rest of my career that I realized that where I was as, as special as, as what I was accomplishing and where I was, you know, it wasn't about me. I wasn't there for, for fame or for money. I wasn't there to, uh, to do anything else than for those guys that were around me. And so I became, you know, very aware that was probably, you know, that, that, uh, that moment where everything just kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. And so it was pretty, a pretty special moment and, in, you know, had to go through a really rough time yeah. to, to have that realization. But, um, you know, it defined the rest of my career Yeah, and still does still a moment I go back to. Well, that, that was really powerful yeah. Tony, to hear you talk about that. I can just see it still grips sure. you. The, yeah. the power of God revealing that to you, Tony, it's not about you. Look around. And so how, how do you go back to that now? 
because that is something I would imagine that you can you can yeah. return to and yeah absolutely I mean you know so this is a season right now where we we moved to Colorado Springs about two two years ago and um, you know basically knew that God was calling us here um, I'd spent the last five years really building up uh, in the insurance world something uh, that was going very well. And um, when the when the opportunity came here, when we prayed about it, we knew that that we were being obedient and coming here. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, it's tough to start over. And I, and I even you know, though I stayed in the insurance industry, I moved into a, a completely different role. I had no contacts, no business contacts, and um, you know, it's 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 tough. Sales is tough. Yeah, and you know. Not not a whole lot of people when you're knocking on their door are ready to talk about insurance, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they want to do it once a year when it <laughs> when they have to. So so yeah, it's um, and, and I think sales is, is in a way a lot of ways like baseball. Um, you know you can be a part of a, a team, but it's still you have some a lot of personal responsibility. So in in really starting over, um, there was a, there was there's a lot of moments where I want to go back to this isn't going well. Uh, this isn't easy. Um, good days, bad days. Uh, it, you know, and when you're kind of starting over, this seems like there's more bad days than good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, similar to baseball, you know, you got these, they got these metrics and these numbers and, you know, you're hitting your numbers on the month or you're not. And, and you can easily kind of fall into that back into that trap of being defined by what you're accomplishing. Yeah, yeah. So when, you know, your top 10% of, you know, company and salespeople and, Whatever it is, uh, you know, it can be a roller coaster uh, because that's, um, you know, again, it becomes an identity thing. You know, top salesperson, uh, top achiever. You know, all these different different titles that we're given and accolades, and and they're great and they're they're good to celebrate. But again, it, it can become a part of the identity, and when when that's your identity, it can it can turn on you just as quick as yeah. you know as quick as it went well, it'll go bad. And so, you know, coming here and, and starting over, you know, again, I, I, I go back to that, uh, that, that moment of it's not all about me. Um, I'm here for more than just me. And this is, this is what I do. I'm not who I am. So it's, it's something that I go back to again and again and just being very intentional, um, paying attention to, to who I'm around and, and God's placed me there and, and I'm there to do more than just, you know, just perform. Mm-hmm. Them there to you know to to represent him uh, to to reach out and to, to uh, you know wherever they are you know just to be that that representative for him. Well, that's so good, Tony, and I think that's one of the best ways actually for a man to begin to diffuse the pressure is to realize it's not about me. Yeah. Because I think for any man, when we start to think it's about me, I've got to come through. Uh, how am I going to look if I don't come through? That that just builds the pressure. But I love, I love what you're saying because God came to you when you were in a low point and he's reinforced it since, but he's basically saying, no, 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 it's not about you. Right, yeah. And have, did you notice a change in the pressure that that you felt when you started to, to understand that? Yeah, I would definitely say, um, you know, in, in baseball, unfortunately, I had uh, more, more uh, poor performances than good. <laughs> yeah. It, it, different points in the game, but I definitely had those opportunities to see if, you know, what, what I was saying was, was what was real. And if I was really living it and applying it, um, because I did, I did begin to see, 
and actually had other, you know, teammates that would comment on the fact that, you know, I don't know what it is, but there's something that is different about you. Uh, something that, you know, I see you have the same struggles that we have, but there's something that the way you process it, it's, it's gone. And, you know, it, it definitely gave me the opportunity to, to share with them, to witness, you know, what was the difference in, in my relationship with Christ. And I would say it became, I had more people that would initiate those conversations than I would, you know, I wouldn't initiate myself. Um, and it was sometimes, like I said, unfortunately, from, from those bad times is, is when they see who you are and, and who really comes out. And, uh, but yeah, it was, um, it was something that I, like I said, I, I go back to it now and it, it really, it shifted my career. I played, I think, uh, you know, eight or 10 more years after that happened and, and just really, it, it grounded me, mm -hmm. I think, because it did take away that pressure of, it's all about me. I've got to perform. I've got to, you know, I've got to stand above everybody else and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And it's, uh, it was freeing. Yeah. So I had a guy come to me, it was actually the next season, you know, after I, after that happened and, uh, he'd been in the major leagues and was coming back down to double a on rehab. And we just got to, you know, became friends a little bit and and it's, you know, the dynamic between minor leaguer, major leaguer is always usually the minor leaguers coming to the major leaguer, like, you know, tell me how to prepare, tell me what to do. But when no one was around, he came to me and um, said, you know, he started telling me of this beautiful life, of all this money, of an incredible wife and kids and all these things that are goals that I've achieved. And I feel empty. And you know, it allowed me to share that experience with him and just really reinforced as well with me that, yeah, because there's, there's still a part of you that, man, if I could just achieve yeah. that, if I could just get to this level, um, you know, that would lessen the pressure yeah. that would, you know, change some things. And, and, and yeah, so it was, you know, another opportunity that reminded me it wasn't about me, but also reinforced, you know, the ability to share that with him. Yeah. And, uh, and then he went, you know, went on. So, and don't you think that's something that we have to wrestle to the ground continually? Just realizing, oh, there is, there's so much more to me than what I do for work. And there's so much more to life than how I'm performing. Because as, as men, it's easy to kind of just fall back into that groove of right. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something that I've done because it can, you know, it can, it can become very uh, reactional, um, meaning that when you feel yourself getting to this place of just overwhelmed stress and then you realize, you know, hey, I'm in that place again, then um, I think that it became a more consistent part of, of my life when we moved out to move to Colorado because I did have a few months where I intentionally didn't work and um you know, there were times where everybody was gone. I was the only one in the house, which had been a very long time since that had happened. And um, just had, you know, moments of just, just quiet. Um, just kind of like, you know, I would say it's almost like a pause in the day. And, and so I started scheduling, you know, really honestly putting it in my, my calendar to remind me every day um, 
And for me, it's at night when people, everyone's gone to bed and just taking those, those times and, and intentionally taking a pause, TV off, no phone, mm-hmm. you know, all those distractions and, and just being still before God. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, um, it's when it's, it's those times that I've just really come to value, uh, because it, it is those times where I'm reminded that whatever's going on, well, whatever situation it is, the pressure, uh, the praise, the criticism, uh, God's with me, um, reminding myself what he says about me, um, letting go of what I feel, letting go of, uh, what I think about situations and what I, what I think is happening and just, just knowing him and knowing that his presence is with me. And, you know, if, if you really just take those moments, I think to, to embrace that, to, to meditate on him. Um, there's just a peace knowing that the God of the universe is with you and that whatever situation it is, good, bad, and ugly, God is with you. And for me, that's, that's so comforting and so, so reassuring that this isn't about me. I don't have to get this done alone. I'm the, I have the, the, the God of creation is with me. <laughs> that's an anchor for you yeah. to come back to time and time again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, I think as a man, um, we get our identity from a lot of things. Um, and not that any of those things in, in and of themselves are, are bad, but in some ways we we separate or exalt ourselves above God. Like, like if this is going to happen, it's up to me. Like, no, it's not. You're not going to do anything significant in life mm-hmm. apart from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just the just those moments of of just knowing. Like I said, getting away from what I think or what I feel or others' opinions or what I perceive is happening. Man, none of that stuff matters. Yeah. God knows. Yeah, I think I know, but I don't. I'm, I've I've proven that time and time again. That God knows, and uh, I'm. I'm at peace with that. Yeah, that's so helpful for all of us as men, Tony, to take what you're saying and apply it, that when we're in pressure-filled seasons, to make sure we have consistent time when we slow down, we pause, we turn off all the distractions, and we turn our face to God. Right. And we allow Him to speak to us. Yeah. And I know from listening to you, as you've done that, God has come to you. And He said, Tony, uh, remember what you know about me. Right. Yeah. When we, uh, when we moved here and in, in, in that season of transition, um, I really felt, you know, in my times of study that it was no, know my word, know what I say about you and unplug from uh, the, like I said, the, the, the emotional, um, you know, the one thing that uh, it's funny, I always hear people say, and we, we all say it to each other, you know, how are you feeling about this? And, you know, what do you think about that? Um, and it's like the Holy Spirit was con- continued to remind me, what do you know about me? And well, I know that you're, you're with me. You never leave me, you never forsake me. And it's just those simple truths to me that are just, you know, so foundational, mm-hmm. just things that would probably would be easy to skip over that yeah. we've heard over and over again. But is that enough that I'm with you? Is it enough that I'll never leave you? Absolutely. 
over and over again. It's like the Holy Spirit just kept reminding me in those times that what you think and what you feel is not what you know. I'm the only thing that never changes. Mm -hmm. You're going to think things. You're going to feel emotions. It's going to be like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, just coming back to that every day of what do you know? Mm -hmm. And the, what I know is what his word says is it never changes. So it's, it's, it's a constant. Yeah, God's word is constant. He never changes. He's always with us. Those are foundational truths uh, for us as men to come back to on a daily basis. And so big thanks to Tony Runyon for being with us and sharing part of his story. If you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, I want to encourage you to do that. We've got more episodes coming up over the remainder of the summer. And if you want to see other events that are happening this fall, you can do that at newlifechurch.org slash men.